Say that the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I think this could be our best show ever. Glenn being optimistic makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. You're getting disinvited from the Apathy Conference with that kind of attitude. <laughs> also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Well, hello there. You're getting invited from pretty much everything <laughs> with that attitude and eyebrow raise the audience couldn't see, but you did anyway. I like to commit to the bit, baby. That's very true. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastor Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Hey, what's up? Let's do it. Now that's the kind of attitude that gets someone <laughs> a speaking invite to the Apathy Conference. Whatever, I don't care. That's what I like to see. <laughs> I'm back in! Yay! <laughs> You're out. Oh. Well, how do we feel? We're going to get right into the wisdom? Do we... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, no crises, catastrophes, beefs. Yeah. No, I'm ready. We let's could get right into the wisdom, or we could have a shameless Christian cash grab emergency. Emergency? Glenn, do you want to declare it? I declare emergency. <laughs> that that was really very well done. I don't know why I throw my head back every time I do that. That was almost really like bad. the narwhal from the Buddy the Elf movie. Yes, I could not okay. place it, but that was a very uh, claymation-style, <laughs> Bye, gentle buddy. beast voice. Yeah. Hope you find your dad. All right, so here's the situation. Our buddy David uh, sends us a resource, and I think this is going to revolutionize our devotional lives. Okay. Whoa. All right. <laughs> it's, I'm excited. It's a book. I'm just going to read you the title. You know what I need to do? Please. My my devotional time. I need to be more disciplined. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Save it for once the audience is in on the joke. (laughs) That that thumping you hear is Glenn pounding the table with joy at his own joke. So the, the devotional guide in question is titled... Fifty Shades of Grace. <laughs> Subt- <laughs> Subtitle, oh, no. Devotion Celebrating God's Unlimited Gift. On, that man. just can't be real. Gentlemen, I open the floor. <laughs> Proceed. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us more backstory because I have the Amazon app open mm. on my phone here, and I've found the Amazon description of Fifty Shades of Grace. We are doing a little research before we started. We don't do research much on the questions, but we did do research on this part. That this book came out in uh, 2012. Fifty Shades of Grey apparently came out in 2011. So this is a direct reaction. It's not a coincidence. So this is the Amazon description. <laughs> the phenomenal success of the Fifty Shades series has caught the publishing world and reading public by storm. <laughs> Whoa. Wait, they're, they're specifically referencing Oh, yeah. The- well, wait for it. The what? Christian community has found the book to be nothing short of written word pornography. Ooh. <laughs> Freeman Smith Publishing uses the similarity of a title to show that God's grace is not only a better read, but comes in a variety no. of circumstances and experiences. Now. No. <laughs> now. <laughs> I've not read The Fifty Shades of Grey. I've seen the trailer for the movie. Not seen right. the movie. Actually, this is true. At the time it came out, I think I and Glenn as well like did at least had to read like the Wikipedia summary because somebody asked 
That's true. On the yeah. blogs, like, because it was a big thing. People yeah. asked, like, is this, is it, I, like, that people seem really, right, yeah. I, I about this. So, you know, it's about what it's about. We know what it's about. You people know what it's about. Don't end your Christian, we do, with a variety of circumstances and experiences. <laughs> Because I guarantee you, if you pour through enough, that exact line has to be in Fifty Shades of yeah. Grey somewhere. Well, also, is this book competing with Fifty Shades of Grey in some sort of way? In other words, is it a really sexy book about Grace? <laughs> because that's like creepy, dude. That's, well, the cover is uh, a butterfly landing on a flower in a woman's hand. So unless uh-huh. there's some very strong <laughs> imagery some going fertilizing on there. happening there, a little stamen uh, thing with no, the, no, with the no. caterpillar. With the... No, no. I want to go back to where you started this. You right. need more discipline in your devotional <laughs> life. You get uh, it which... now, audience listening at home? You get that Hello, joke? Yes, All see. right. What happens, Glenn, if I'm working through... Also, I'm halfway through this joke, binding and casting out. Oh, oh, that's good, that's good. Finish it for yourself at home. Yeah, do it on your own time. We (laughs) gave you the ingredients. That's right, that's right. If if I miss a day of devotions, do I need to be punished in some way? (laughs) (laughs) Is this this going to be the thing that leads to the resurgence of the flagellate movement? Oh, we can only hope. Here's here's the thing: is we're we're being awful, and that's what we do best. That's who yeah. we are. But here's the thing: is is it not called for? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's oh, definitely yeah. called for. You 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 they made us book. do this. They yeah. made you yes. you go into your Christian bookstore. You're seeing this on the shelf. Yeah. You this is now in the conversation here. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. No, this is this is what we're saying. You've creeped us out. Th- this is. Christian's ability to take something that's popular in mainstream culture and try to respond to it and hit the wrong note right. in every way. Yeah. I'm, I'm not making this up. It's a true story. I'm hanging out with a close friend, a, you know, a history of substance abuse, and we're in the car and we go past a church sign that says, the best high is the most high. Right. Mm. And my friend immediately goes, ever tried ecstasy? <laughs> this, right. this is the thing, yeah. people. N- know when you're out of your depth. Well, and yeah. also, know... What experience you're putting on the world? Because if there was a person who had put, if you thought there was a chance that the person who put up that church sign had tried ecstasy, okay, yeah, you may not agree, but sure. okay, but no, we no. know who put the sign yeah. at Forest Park Baptist Church. Here's the disturbing thing: you thought Whoa. we'd found it. Wow. So again, I'm on the Amazon page. Right. There are no less than two other books called Fifty Shades of Grace. Really? Another Weird. devotional. And Fifty Shades of Grace, Love Changes Everything. Wait. Oh, yes. What? It's an erotic novel. Seriously? A new love story for a new millennium. Wow. Nick grew up at a typical American farm in the heart of the great Midwest. Whatever. That's all code for white guy. (laughs) But when his best friend in college invites him into a romantic relationship, Nick's life takes an unexpected twist. Join Nick as he explores the experiences of the glorious, unpredictable, and multifaceted dimensions of a life lived in love. Love with men, love with women, and even love with God himself. Filled with passion, romance, heartbreak, and sex, you'll keep turning the page to find out what's next. Stop it. Again, you're trying for something, and the people writing these, and it's not easy to describe a whole book in one blurb and not give it all away, I understand that, but... 
um, the people writing these blurbs are not doing any anybody any favors. Because it sounds like this dude tries to have sex with a deity. <laughs> Just love with men, love with women, and even love with God himself. I mean, can you... Well, I'm it, it, I, I, I'm coming on, on the same page that, that Jed's talking about here. It's this idea of, okay, we see something cool. Here's what we'll do, y'all. We'll do a slightly less cool version of that cool thing. Slap some Jesus on it. Exactly. So here's yeah. what I'm saying, though, Glenn. I think we're missing our opportunity to make some real money here. Okay? Oh, because what? What I'm if I'm intrigued we, yet frightened? What if we just go ahead and and you know uh, we we put aside our we put aside our disgust at this phenomenon and say how do we get in this business? Okay, right. So you nice. got the the world came up with you know the movie. Indecent proposal. So we come up with a story called decent proposal. Wow! Oh you know what yeah! I'm saying? Wow. The world comes up with a movie like Basic Instinct. We come up with the supernatural instinct. Wow! This is what I'm yeah. saying. We just need to jump on this train, y'all. Yeah. Now, if you're one of our listeners in their 20s and haven't heard of either of those movies, go to IMDb. And uh, they were very popular in their time. Now, I do like the idea that Decent Proposal is about a guy in a sweater asking the parents if he can take the girl out for ice cream. Right. Or it's the uh, the guy that, that, the way you really, you know, Christian it up for Pure Flicks is the guy that's uh, never dated ever, but he saw the girl that he's going to uh, marry and then immediately goes straight to Proposal and they don't kiss till the wedding day. Yeah. Absolutely. That's all the way there. Oh Lord. <laughs> I'm I'm only giving you I'm only giving you the title of this one because I can't agree to it. And this was written by someone who lists her title as Pastor. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grace, and they they literally have Fifty Shades of Gray under it and have written in white <laughs> over the black the A S E the A C E where okay, the rest is yes. good. Fifty Shades of Grace. 50 sexy keys for Christian couples. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you want to read some? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was just going to push through that one, dear readers, but Jed has insisted on reading the description. Well, the good news... you got to give us a sample of some of the... We actually have a special treat. Some regular listeners will know that we recently squashed our beef with uh, Pastor Joel Osteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually turns out he's... He's quite a fan of our show. Right. Oh, he wants okay. to support us. So, oh, I have a feeling about where this is going. We we contacted him and asked if he'd be willing to oh, help no. us out with something. And actually, he agreed to read a, a, a bit of a blurb about Fifty Shades of Grace wow, for us. Great. Oh, no. It's really... You wouldn't think he'd have the time for that kind of thing. Well, but, you, um, you know, I guess he's, you know, making time for a, a publication of this important. Well, he wants well, to squash the be beef, problematic. Too. We'll, yeah. we'll go ahead and cue the tape up for you. So, so here you go. We live in a world. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it together, Joel. You're a professional. That has so devalued the place of marriage and the sanctity of the sexual act. <laughs> so creepy. That is the creepiest phrase for that ever. <laughs> that it is almost impossible to get a clear picture of how magnificent sex is really intended to be. 
Uh, I'm going to have to stop there. Yeah. It's well, it's going to go downhill quickly. Folks, here's the good news. Now, normally, we, we, are, t- we, are, we are occasionally accused on this show of being a little on the scandalous side, a little bit on the naughty side, a little, you know. But I think this is where we really get in on the focus on the family deal, as at least how about the big money, because I think we can sell Joel Osteen reading audio clips from Christian sex books as contraception. Hello. <laughs> that will stop people. Because I don't care how you teenage know, you are. That's a that off. will stop you in your tracks, <laughs> man. That's a turn off. The phrase, the sexual act, said in my Joel Osteen voice. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things I've ever can't ever yeah. hear that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's unsexy. <laughs> I, I go to the uh, to the description myself, and I see why Jed started, stopped yeah, reading. Yeah, yeah. Uh, scary this, but the word the word pulsating was not far <laughs> behind. Oh, stop it. One of the funnest things in my life is when I can shock Glenn. Well, this is this whole thing is shocking to me because... Here's the thing is I am I am at my happiest when I am being scandalous. Sure, absolutely. Sure. That makes me happy. Okay. Sure. When you're talking about a Christian book where someone says, Hey, fifty shades of gray, let's get in on that. Yeah. And the word pulsating <laughs> comes yeah. out of that. Let me just tell you what. Well, and that's uh, the thing. You know, how do you how you know what I mean? As connoisseurs of scandalousness that we are in this podcast. <laughs> Right, it's it's the, it's the half-heartedness that this offends is, me. That's there's Here's no the art thing. to this. It just this is clearly a couple of these are clearly somebody had already written devotionals, right? And there were there were either fifty two of them and they pulled two of them out, <laughs> right. yep. or there were 40, 40 of them and they wrote a couple extra right. to get it up to fifty to you know cravenly capitalize on the marketing with mm-hmm. the idea of Christian Fifty Shades of Grey. Here's what I'm saying: it doesn't seem like, and we're not able to do this, but if you're out there, if you're a writer. If someone really wanted to scandalize them, you could do something about some of the activities that are apparently involved in Fifty Shades of Grey in the context of a Christian marriage. Sure. That's right. an interesting book. That's you could right. do it all biblical, yeah. and there could be respect and boundaries and mm-hmm. all you kinds know, of acceptance and grace and whatnot. That would be interesting. None of you people none of you people were committed enough to debauchery and scandalousness right. to do that. And I think that's what offends me most. The, it was the same here, and you know, here's what I'm saying. Uh, I, I, but you know what? I'm really, I'm coming around to where Lee is out on Hit me. because, uh, we got to get in on that sweet, sweet cat. We right? absolutely do. Here's what I'm saying is, uh, how about a 50 shades of grace cookbook? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. Because sometimes you're eating too many calories. Right. And that's naughty. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, you see where I'm going with this? Uh, yeah, I really do. And so, like, there's a whole uh, thing where, like, it's like, uh, what happens when you have too many and then, a, you know, a little this and a, some yeah. of that and a little, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, there you go. There's about to be meetings. I'm just <laughs> yes. saying. We, ha- we have to try and avoid meetings. You declared it. I declare... A what is wrong with you people emergency off. Yeah, well, I'm that's, in. That really is the best kind. Oh, I didn't think about it, the fact that I would, ha- as often happens on the show, I didn't think about the chance that the idea that I would have to transition into the um, the bridge box plug after that. <laughs> Good luck. So, uh, you know. In order that we don't have to 
make awful things like that to make money. That's a great. That's very. That's good, really good. Right? That works a lot. If you'd like for us to be able to make that sweet, sweet cash to focus on the uh, focus on the ministry. Here's the thing: even us, as depraved and horrible people as we are, we couldn't spend the Fifty Shades of Grace money on the ministry. That would feel <laughs> have very limits. wrong. Well, you wouldn't, you know, that dirty, dirty money. So well, here's what we do spend on the ministry: is a lot of people around the world give eight dollars a month to Bridgebox. It's great for their. They in case they get sermons, they get. Uh, songs and devotionals and all that good stuff based around a topic that applies to their lives. May 2016's topic is, am I carrying too many burdens? There's a lot of great stuff in there. You get songs from Jed, songs from Lee, sermons from Glenn and myself, some writings, a lot of good stuff to focus on that. But the most important part is you help us do the ministry up in here. If you check out the May 2016 product, you'll hear a story of our friend Roy, who got a great job with the Chicago Transit Authority, which is the public transportation here in Chicago. A great job. It's going to be great for him. He's going to be able to move out of the residential drug treatment facility he's in. The problem was they had a list of clothing you have to have. Kind of, you got to, we've all had those jobs. You got to buy your own uniform pieces. And he had everything. This is a dude with no money. And he scraped together. He had everything he needed, but he couldn't get a very specific type of boots they had to have. And he, he was out of luck because generous people support us both personally and through Bridgebox. We were able to tell him that's no problem. We'll get you the boots. We as the bridge will cover that. That dude is onto a whole new step in his life. His life is going to be totally changed. He'd be working a regular job, paying rent on the road to recovery from his addiction, growing in the Lord. He's going to be part of a local church because people support Bridgebox is how we can do things like that. It is directly affecting lives here in Chicago. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. All right. If you have a question for us, hang on with us all the way to the end. I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. But for now, we go to our first question. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr, and it says, So it's been about six months since, I'm st- since I've stopped following God. I definitely believe in God, and while I know that everything would be better with God, that hasn't stopped me from living life the way I want to. I don't have a car anymore, so I can't go out and serve, but I don't really know what to do. What advice would you give for someone who is not wanting to follow God, but knows that's the better option? And Lee, why don't you start us off here? Well, the first thing I would do is uh, say thanks for writing this in and being honest about it. I mean, as a I can tell you, as as a pastor, uh, the idea of somebody going ahead and saying, this is how I feel, uh, is super-duper refreshing. So yeah. this is where a lot of folks are, which is, I just haven't been following the Lord for a while. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to keep... Uh, I don't know what the, my next steps are. And to be honest, I don't really want to take them, but I sense that that would be better than what I'm on right now. What would you say? What most people are doing is most people are showing up at church. They've got the smile on the face. They come up to you after the sermon and they say, that was a really good sermon. And then that's it. And you don't see them anymore. And that's kind of, that's kind of all you get. So the idea that, that you're saying, okay, I think I'm ready to move past this. That's actually probably the biggest step you've got in this whole thing is being willing to be honest about the fact that this isn't really working. I don't know what I need to do next, but I know this isn't working out. And I think for most folks, if we could get uh, if we could get people to be honest about that part of it, the rest of this moves along pretty easily. So the first thing I would say is to take that honest realization about yourself that, okay, I've walked away from the Lord for a while, I'm not, I don't really know what I want to do next, but I know that this isn't really working. 
And let's turn that into a prayer. Let's turn mm. that thing into an invitation for God to get involved in this. Let's take that honest realization about your life and just transform that into the prayer where you say, Lord, I, I don't know what needs to happen next, and I don't really even know if I want to follow you. Uh, I do believe in you, but what, what I'm on is, is kind of super sucking right now. Mm-hmm. And so um, do you have something for me to do? Um, I'm kind of, I'm in kind of a tailspin of just kind of uh, chasing, you know, in, in the Tumblr vortex. I'm just like on, you know, I'm watching a lot of YouTube. I'm following a lot of pages on Etsy or whatever, like the stuff that you were saying. Well, there's the, the cool thing is that there are things you can do right now. There are absolutely things that you can do to minister to folks who are struggling on the Tumblr thing. I mean, there's, there, you know, there, you could write people little notes of encouragement. You can look up different things where people are having a hard time, and you could get involved in, in just kind of communicating with folks right now. Maybe you've got some neighbors in your immediate—you said you don't have a car and stuff like that. Maybe you've got some neighbors on your street that need somebody to carry groceries in or need somebody to listen to them or talk to them, need somebody to help them clean up or something like that. you got some little old ladies that live around you. Maybe— you can get somebody to take you to church and you can help out with the fellowship meal or the Sunday school class and stuff stuff like that. I think the key on this stuff is you want to you want to start small. You want to find something that you can actually do, something achievable, and you want to start that today. But the whole thing that that whole thing kicks off when you just go to the Lord and you say, "This is where I honestly am, but I'm willing to be used." So what do you have for me? Because if you are willing to be used by the, by the Lord, then really anything can, can kick off of that. Anything can happen. And that's what he's really, really looking for from all of us is a willingness to be used. And then we can find a small, achievable thing that you can actually do today. But you've actually crossed over a huge boundary and a huge boundary that a lot of Christians are super fooling themselves about. So we applaud that and just say, go ahead and approach the Lord with that willingness piece and see what happens next. It's really fantastic way to start. I think I would echo what Lee is saying there, that one of the things you have way up on a lot of people uh, in Christianity is this idea of, you know, I believe in God. I know everything be better. I don't want to follow him. What that means is you have an active concept of what following versus not following the Lord looks like. Yeah. And that actually puts you miles ahead of a bunch of people in the pews on Sunday morning. So, Glenn, maybe if I get you to um, talk, talk us through it. sounds like what we have here is a person with faith. They say, I believe right. in God. And to to acknowledge, I know my life would be better if I did the things God wanted me to do is actually a pretty clear statement of faith there. Mm-hmm. But they don't have a faith, if you know what uh, I mean. They don't yeah. have how to put that into action. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the the ideas they have for those structures either aren't working for them and they're burned out on something. So yeah. where do we start with that? Well, uh, yeah, I think uh, 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 I'm going to pick it up right where Lee left off. I mean, uh, uh, it, uh, actually, I love the question— uh, uh, where you're saying you don't want to follow God, but you definitely do believe in God, so what do we do with that? Uh, I love the challenge mm-hmm. of that. Uh, it's, it, it's Something's got to give here. We, we all have to acknowledge that, because you, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the search for loopholes is you've come to the right place. I'm, yeah. I'm the right guy. So let's explore some loopholes. Let's see what we can get away with. Now, uh, first of all, we have to ask ourselves what following God means. You, you, you say you've stopped following God, and, but you believe in him and so on and so forth. 
if following God in your mind means doing everything right and, and never sinning, then uh, you actually weren't following God before. Just, before, yeah. you kind of thought you were, but you weren't. And neither am I, neither is anybody else. So there's that. Uh, so welcome to the rest of the world. If uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make a, a. If you ask me to make a guess, I would guess that there's a sin that you're committing that really makes you feel bad about yourself, that really reminds you that you're a sinner, and it makes mm-hmm. you feel as though you're not following God mm-hmm. because you commit this one sin. May rhyme with masturbation. It <laughs> might rhyme with masturbation. It might also rhyme with looking at schmorn on sure. the schminternet, you know. Uh, so, but who knows? It it's could be anything. Uh, the, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about all that. If, if I, let's, I don't want to, I don't want to talk you out of this idea. I want us to go deeper yep. with your crazy mm-hmm. idea. That's, that's where I'm at. That would be this. the title of Glenn's book. Yeah. Here's what we want to do. I don't want to follow God, but I believe in him. And I want to do something, because that's what you're saying, is I want to do something with God in this. Mm-hmm. I want to have some kind of a relationship, some kind of a something. Or very least, I know I should be doing that. I yeah. think my life would be better if I did that. Well, that's good, you know, like like Leah's saying. So let's let's figure this out. Here's what I'm going to pitch at you, then. If we're going to do sort of a half-in, half-out kind of a deal, mm-hmm. here's, what, here's what I'm going to propose. Do... All of the things that the Bible says to do. Yeah. Skip all the don'ts. Mm. Let's try that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Bible says, do be generous. Yeah. Do be loving. Do uh, be uh, patient. Do give thanks. Give th- be a thankful person. Be a charitable person. Uh, uh, be a, uh, a person of peace. Uh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Do all of those do's, and there's a lot in there. Mm-hmm. There's helping people and and loving and serving and and all those, you know. Uh, so do all of the do's. Go nuts with the don'ts. Mm-hmm. Knock yourself out. It says, you know, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't uh, lust, and so don't be so slothful. Forth. Don't be slothful. Sloth out. Sloth yourself until you've just slothed it to the maximum. <laughs> okay? Here's what I'm betting will happen. One, you'll get sick and tired of that pretty quick. Yep. Two, the consequences start kicking in pretty early on, and they start to really suck and yep. whatever. And that might be the reason behind that. Yep. Uh, you might be playing games in your head thinking, well, okay, the whole thing is I am a bad person that's not following Jesus because I'm I, I'm messing these things up. Mm -hmm. But I think you'd do better off to just say, let me just do the do's uh, and ignore all those don'ts. I think you'd get sick and tired of those don'ts anyway. Mm -hmm. And here's another thing I'll tell you about that. The Bible is much more emphatic about those do's than it is about those don'ts. If if you're only going to be halfway in this, that's the half to do. Mm-hmm. Well, to that point, if you start doing the do's, you're going to find you like them. And the more yeah. you do them, you're going to wind up doing less of the don'ts anyway. This is what we're saying here. That's the whole thing. If you want to go halfway in this thing, I think that's the right yeah. way. Yeah. You, you giving me a crazy challenge, 
I, and that's that's what the best I can come up with, and I, I, I think that's a good approach. Yeah, Absolutely. And, Jed, if I can get you to maybe take a slightly different angle on this. So one of the if we take out the kind of um, narrative of the idea of kind of I walked away from following God and just look at what this person is saying here, say there's a thing I used to enjoy doing or yep. at least did, and now I kind of don't enjoy doing anything. I'm just wasting time on the Internet all day. Sound, sounds a lot like depression yep. to our ears. So. How do we how do we deal with kind of that kind of uh, mental stuff, emotional stuff when it gets all wrapped up in the spiritual? It's a great question. It's a great question. The first thing, the most important thing, I want you to hear me say this, and and I, I want you to to try to believe me. God loves you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right now, today, exactly as you are, say He that, loves dude. you. Mm-hmm. He's crazy about you. And I, and none of your actions have changed that. Absolutely. There's, there's no less forgiveness available to you now than when you started this. No thing. doubt. Let's say for a second that you're dealing that part of what you're doing with is depression. Part of the effect of that is there are things that you know are true and you simply don't feel them anymore. Right. At least right. not right now. Right. So I'm saying God loves you, and I think there's every chance you don't feel that at all. Right. And that's a, I you know I think all of us on this podcast have dealt with depression at one point or another mm-hmm. in our lives. It's still true even when you don't feel it. That's right. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. We love you. Mm-hmm. We care about you, mm-hmm. whether you feel it or not. Now, here's the thing. There's a number of things in your question that, you know, kind of get my spider sense going. So you had this thing that you used to enjoy and used to care about, and now it sounds like you kind of don't care about anything. You basically want to spend all of your time just kind of surfing stuff on the Internet. I don't have a car anymore. I want to know what happened there. Mm-hmm. That you had some means, maybe you had a job, maybe you had transportation, and now you don't have those things. Um I think the the religious stuff, the spiritual stuff, not only is it not the whole of what you're dealing with, I have a suspicion it may not be the centerpiece of what you're dealing mm-hmm. with. Um, I think you've had some rough stuff go on in your life. Uh, I'd be pretty surprised if that wasn't the case, actually. And I think you're trying to figure out what to do with that. Here's what we know. Sitting in your room reading Tumblr for the eighth hour is not going to help. That's, yeah. that's not going to improve the situation. The thing I'd encourage you to do is to find a person that could be a counselor, that could be a pastor, that could actually be a doctor, you know, a GP. Mm-hmm. Go talk to somebody about what you're dealing with. It's every chance you're dealing with some burnout, there's every chance you're dealing with some discouragement, but there's every chance, too, that you're dealing with some depression. A lot of what mm-hmm. you're describing certainly tracks with that. I want to be clear here. God wants – your relationship with God is part of the answer to you dealing with depression – But God doesn't want it to be the only part of the answer to you dealing with depression. Mm -hmm. Talking to another human being, real life, person to person, is part of the answer to that. In a lot of cases, some medical care is part of that. We want to encourage you to pursue both of those things. Mm -hmm. God is there with you as you're pursuing both of those things. But we have a way of creating this drama in our heads where it all comes down to my internal relationship with God. And Mm -hmm. if I could just sort that out, everything else would, would... you know, snap into place. That's not how depression works. Right. Um, uh, you read the Bible, the, the holiest men and women you can imagine dealt with horrible, crippling depression, despite having a relationship with God so powerful it has been preserved for all time right. in the sacred scriptures. Right. You, you need someone to talk to. Um, there's every chance it's at least worth talking to a doctor uh, as well. We want to encourage you to do both of those things. And if you're not sure how to hook those up, Please write us back. Give us some more details. We'd love to help you get connected with the resources you need. Yeah, and just to, uh, I love what you're saying there, Jed. And and I, I, uh, along those lines, I think it's important for the person who's asking this question to understand 
that God does not resent not any part of this. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Right. In other words, he's not angry at you that you're depressed. He's not angry at you. Not, there's not, this isn't yeah. about a disappointed, uh, you know. God understands. Yeah. We understand. We, it's just saying, we've, we've d- had struggles and d- yeah. all of this and depression, all of this. So, uh, you know, we want you to feel as though this is a, 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 an utterly fixable thing, yeah. that you're not going down some deep, no. dark hole. It's not always going to feel this way. Right, There's a right. voice in your head that says it is. It's not always going to feel this way. But here's the key thing. If you'll take those proactive steps, find that person to talk to, mm-hmm. talk with a doctor, get some things in motion, the speed with which it will no longer feel this way will actually go up pretty dramatically. Yeah. That's what we want to see happen for you. That is all really fantastic stuff. One of the ways you can kind of start down that journey and outside of what we definitely expect, I would uh, suggest you do as far as contacting professionals, getting some help. One of the things here, and uh, it sounds like this is someone who uh, listens to the show because they knew that one of the things we we're going to jump to is I feel like I don't have a, I'm following God was find a place to serve. So, and look, uh, on top of being depressed, I can speak for most of them. I say, I've also been in positions where I didn't have a functioning vehicle yep. and lived in a town where that was very important. I know that's a huge bummer and really limits mm-hmm. what you do, but here's the thing. You mentioned uh, part of the question we didn't read, but the person mentioned, you know, I'm doing what I want, which basically had to wasting a lot of time on the internet. Glenn's mentioned this many times. Um, you can do, you can serve on the internet. Sure. That's right. You can oh, go yeah. search the depression tag on Tumblr and like mm-hmm. posts and write a sweet note, leave an anonymous you bet. nice thing. You can do the same thing on uh, Etsy. You can gonna, you can uh, get in a discussion group on Facebook for people struggling with the same stuff here and be, be nice to them. You can mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. So, and that may not feel huge, and it's not. And you want to move past that. You want to do things in the real world. You want to serve at least mm-hmm. these. That's that's very cool. But for now, if whether it, the case is that, or it's just that you feel that you're doing nothing, doing a little something is a massive improvement. Yep. No doubt yes. about it. Exactly. That's right. And it's going to make you feel better. If you yep. if you go tomorrow through the Tumblr tag and church, you know, the a combo of Christian and depression, see a lot of people struggling, and you send them a note that says, I, I feel that way too sometimes, and I read this one thing once, so it was really nice to me. Even if you don't hear back from him, if you're not going to change anybody's life, you will feel better. Right. And you will, as Glenn said to those dudes, you will be actively doing something God uh, asked of us to do, which That's is reach right. out to people who are sad. That's right. You'll have done that without leaving your room. Here's the thing. When you're at that low point, be that depressionally, be that kind of spiritually, when you've got kind of a no upside, one of the things we, I think a lot of people resist doing is doing something super easy because it feels mm-hmm. kind of like, what's the point? Here's the thing. If you're at the, if you're at kind of a zero place and thing, take the easy win. Yes. That's right. Yes. Send five nice messages. You will have done more than you did. It will not take a lot of effort from you. As Jeb was pointing out, you'll get the positives from feeling that. That's something to build on. Don't yep. be afraid. The Bible says don't despise small beginnings. Exactly. Don't be afraid of doing a little something and building mm-hmm. on Amen. that. Amen. All right, move to our next question here. It came in anonymously at our Tumblr, and it says, I'm in med school, and I worry a lot about having a successful career as a doctor. In Matthew 6, 25 to 34, Jesus says not to worry about tomorrow, since today has enough trouble of its own. How do we do that? I'm constantly stressing out over the next big challenge or the things I have to learn. I can never relax or enjoy life. I'm overwhelmed with fear. How do I get peace and follow Jesus when he says, do not worry, while everyone else is screaming, don't screw this up? Thank you. Glenn, why don't you start us off? Yeah. And uh, don't screw it up. (laughs) Well, I'm stressed out now. Uh, Here's the thing is uh, I don't like the idea of uh, a perspective where option A is 
stress. Option B is not stress. Because mm -hmm. that's kind of not giving me a meaningful choice here. But that, uh, you're absolutely right. But that does, I think that does kind of speak to the conversation people, and particularly Christians, have about things like stress, which is, yes. well, just love Jesus and don't be stressed. That's right. Here's a story about someone in the Bible or a missionary, and they love Jesus a lot, and they weren't stressed, so you should just do that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. The, this is not what we're shooting for. So we have to know what the positive goal Mm. is, you know. Um, and here's the thing is, um, I, I'm going to give you a, um, a, a, a phrase here that I want you to kind of zero in on. Relaxed focus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where it's something where you have an intense focus, mm -hmm. but you're relaxed at the same time. Now, that would seem to be a bit of an oxymoron that it's hard uh -huh. to do both of those things. But that's actually what allows you to remember things. Mm -hmm. That's what allows you to perform well under pressure situations. It's what allows you to uh, have a presence of mind that allows you to tap into what, something God might be trying to show you mm -hmm. when there's lots of chaos swirling around you. Uh, it's this idea of, I want to have that intense focus, but I want to be relaxed within it. Give you the, the best analogy I can think of I spent a little bit of time, as I think we mentioned on the podcast before, uh, as a chaplain for the Chicago White Sox and just doing a little filling in here and there uh, for the for the chaplain there. And here's one of the things that uh, you would hear the baseball players say to each other about batting. They would say, you have to lighten up, don't tighten up. Mm-hmm. And what they meant by that is, and this is sort of an odd thing, but in order to swing a baseball bat quickly and in order to hit the ball effectively, you actually need to have a loose flowing swing. You need your muscles to be in, in a state where there's sort of a, uh, sort of a loose, sort of a buggy whip motion, if you think of it that way, as they're swinging this bat. And this also allows them to make adjustments during that swing that allow them to zero in on the ball. And, and by not tightening up, they're able to respond to seeing the ball curve and dip and the things that happens with the baseball and stuff. So this is the image that we want to have is that lighten up, don't tighten mm -hmm. up thing. Mm -hmm. So there's a relaxed focus. There is a mm -hmm. sense of the thing that... That tension actually does not allow me to perform better. Mm -hmm. It's actually working against me. So this is the the role that peace plays in in our relationship with God. God comes in, gives us a sense of peace, and that right on the heels of that peace often come the 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 that a revelation and inside mm -hmm. a burst of wisdom that unlocks this situation. And now we're we're off and running with this thing. So uh, we're looking to have that kind of a, a of a an, of an intense focus where we're engaged in things, but we also have that sense of peace, that mm -hmm. sense of relaxation that God's got it, God's in control, God can handle it, God can remind me of the things I need to remember, God can uh, help me deal with situations that are crisis situations. Mm -hmm. I don't get just one chance to get life right. Everyone makes mistakes in these kinds of things. So a fantastic place to start. Jed, I'd love to get you to follow up looking at this kind of idea of you, you had a very rigorous academic uh, experience in college, and but also even still today, 
um, the stuff you do for production with kind of music and with other things, projects all runs on t- pretty tight deadlines. Mm-hmm. There's, you do work in an environment where you have to produce things that have to be a certain quality and they have to be done on time. So how do you find the balance between staying motivated? I think a lot of this stress stuff comes from the idea that being stressed is the same as being motivated. It's super not, mm. but people who get that close, oh, I got, if, if I'm real freaked out about it, I will do better. I will study harder. Mm. There's tons of research that shows that's not true. That mm. relaxed attitude that Glenn's talking about is actually better. But how do we find that balance between staying motivated? Um, it, and this person you know, says, I want a I successful career as a doctor. There's not actually nothing wrong with that. So yeah. that motivation and that looking forward, because the Bible doesn't say yeah. don't think about tomorrow. It says don't worry about yeah. it. That yeah. balance with this kind of piece that Glenn's talking about. It's great stuff. Here's a weird question back to our question answer, question asker. You said, I worry a lot about having a su- successful career as a doctor. My question is, do you want a successful career as a doctor or are you afraid you will not have right. a successful career Hello. as a doctor? Those are not the same thing. That's Let right. me repeat that. It's super important. Do you want a successful career as a doctor, or are you afraid you will not have a successful career as a doctor? Those are two very different things. I mean, do you want to get it right, or do you worry that you'll screw it up? Exactly right. Another way to put the same difference is, are you actively engaged in your life, or are you passively engaged in your life? Is life something that you do, or is life something that happens to you? Those seem like they're you know kind of... You know, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of self-help talk, but it's actually a really super huge, important difference. Part of healthy motivation is deciding this is what I want. Yeah. I will now pursue it. Yeah. I care about this thing. I care about excellence in medicine. Right. I, I care about uh, meeting people's healthcare needs and doing so in a in a professional, competent fashion. Mm. So I will now apply myself to that task. Yeah. That's one thing, being afraid, you know, being concerned, I don't know, and there's a lot of, parents have a lot of expectations, there's so much money that I've already borrowed, and I need to not screw this up. Those actually won't take you in the same places. They they feel like they will, but they really don't. Yeah, fear, you, you think that fear sharpens the mind, but it really, really doesn't. It really doesn't. Deciding, saying, I'm going to actively manage my life. I'm going to decide what I want, and then I'm going to pursue that. That doesn't sound like a Christian thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that you know, you don't hear Christians talk that way. But that's actually how mature people live their lives. Mm-hmm. Is I, you know, now I get a sense from the Lord of what should I want, right, right? But at a certain point, I decide I want X. Right. I am now going to pursue X. I'm going to do the things that lead to acquiring X. Whether, as Matt said, that's producing pieces of media on a deadline or achieving medical excellence or... Um, putting on a worship service in a very bad neighborhood on a weekly basis. Putting on a worship service. Exactly right. But that's that's where it begins. It's like, I want this. I mm. choose this. I'm, I am now going after this. I want to return, though, to something Glenn was talking about, because I think it ties into this, and I think it's so important. And it's actually, it's a very Eastern concept, but you may want to remind yourself that Christianity is an Eastern religion. Right. And this, this is the concept, is mindfulness. Yeah. The concept yeah. is being fully present in the moment that you are in. Exactly. Being fully present in the day that you are in. That's it. You, you Not... Re- projecting yourself into a scary future. Exactly right. Exactly right. You know, Jesus, you may know, he said, don't worry about tomorrow, but there's a phrase we often leave out. He said, for each day has enough trouble of its its own. own. There are things to focus on and things to deal with 
right now mm-hmm. today. You can't solve the malpractice lawsuit you're going to get 12 years from now because right. you forgot the thing and then you did the thing and whatnot. We're not 12 years from now. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can only deal with today. The thing, and I don't know that anybody in this world is good at this, but the thing that I'm working on, I encourage you to work on, I think it, it will help here, is figuring out moment by moment, how do I be fully present in the thing I'm doing? When I'm talking to someone, how do I give them, in a true sense, my undivided attention, mm-hmm. where I'm fully engaged in this conversation? When mm-hmm. I'm listening, 100% of my brain is focused on listening to right. this person. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm, I'm going for a run, 100% of me is focused on enjoying this moment. I'm just, I got the wind going through my hair, and I got the sun on my skin, and I am in this moment. When I'm studying, 100% of me is engaged in understanding what this textbook has to say and what it means and what do I do with it. I think, and that's what Glenn's talking about with that careful focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the same idea, this idea of, of mindfulness. But I think if you combine, to bring it back, to, Matt, to the question that you kicked me on, if you bring it back to the idea of, I'm choosing this. This is not something that's being put on me. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm not coming from a place of fear. I'm choosing what I'm going to pursue. Now I'm going, that's in a meta sense. Now I'm going to choose moment by moment what I do with my attention in order to ultimately achieve this goal that I've decided for myself. I think if you'll, if you'll do those things, I think it's going to lead to a lot more peace and a lot less worry, but I think it's going to also lead to a lot more success in your life, to be really honest. I think you're going to like the results you get a whole lot more. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely right. Leo, I'll kick it to you on this. Uh, I think these guys really opened up this in a really good way, this idea of kind of being present, being mindful. And I think this is a very important thing I'd love to get you to catch us up on, this idea of the Bible actually does not say, do not worry. That's... Right. It says that, but that's certainly not the whole sentence. Again, it says, do not worry about tomorrow, for each day has enough trouble of its own. I think part of what Jed's pointing to there, which is very important for this person, really important for all this, is there are details you can control and you can put your attention to. Those only exist in the present. And then there's lots of stuff that you can worry about, which is actually counterproductive. So how do we work on that balance and focusing on what we can do? Well, I think exactly as you're saying there, so you want to have a successful... uh, you know, medical practice one day. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's a great goal, as Jed's saying. This is what I want to do. One thing that you're going to have to do at some point if you do that is you're going to have to interview nurses and hire, you know, office staff and stuff like that. Well, it would be a gigantic waste of your time to start thinking about that process right now yep. at the beginning of medical school. But if you can get your head around this... um. Thinking about the whole thing and thinking I'm probably going to fail at X, Y, Z, different parts of it, is is really the exact same thing. There's it, This is a huge thing that is going to be divided up into daily deliverables and tons of different research projects and homework assignments and, uh, you know, shadowing and you know, uh, uh, residency. There's so many steps to becoming, to achieving your goal. And you can't think about all of them right now. We talk in the same way, and counselors talk in the same way about grief. We talk in the same way about really any humongous goal like this. If you project yourself into a future where you, where all of it, you know, where you're trying to get your head around doing all of it well right now, as exactly as as you're saying, Matt, there's just you don't have control over certain things right now, but you do have control over. Finding out your class schedule, getting your books, and going to that first class. Exactly as Jed's saying, the living in the moment thing. And part of that is deciding, and this does take some mental effort, and this is exactly, and 
I actually love how binary Jesus is about this stuff in Matthew chapter 6. He just says, don't do it. And what we do a lot of times with the word of, words of Jesus is to say, yeah, but nobody can really do that. Yeah. I mean, that's very often, and I'm going to say, this is me. I mean, I, I very, very often just say, yeah, but nobody does that. So why don't you lay off it, Jesus? He, he insists on not laying off it. He insists on making it very clear. And, and part of that is there are things you can control right now today. There are homework assignments you can do or meetings you can have or someone you can shadow or whatever. There's something you can do. And I don't want you to think about the thing that you can't control that's going to happen in three weeks. I don't want you to look at that right now. I don't want you to think about. I, I, as Exactly as Jed's saying, let's focus on the thing you can control because this is a multi-step process. So let's do step one. And once step one is done, now we have a new step one, which is really cool because it's, it's, it's a deal where this kind of ties in exactly where Glenn was too. You can have a relaxed focus when you realize that gigantic things are achievable one little step at a time. Really, I have one thing to focus on, which is the thing I can control right now. That's it. I don't have to do the 7,000 things it's going to take to become a doctor one day with a successful medical practice. But part of that is going to be deciding Jesus means what he says, and I, it actually is possible for me to not look into the future to the things that I can't control. And that's the thing is that fear lives there. And, and the really weird thing is a lot more fears can live there that can actually happen. Yeah. And now that that takes a, a second to break down, but essentially the idea is, if I'm if I'm looking forward into everything that can possibly happen that can possibly happen to me down the road, all the failures I could miserably you know crash and burn in or whatever, what happens is is I my head is filled with seven different things I can be afraid of that mm-hmm. can't actually all happen at the same time, but I can be afraid of all seven of them right now. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though in the future, only one of them is going to happen because they're mutually exclusive. But if I'm looking forward to the future, I'm projecting myself forward where I have no peace or no grace or no help from the Holy Spirit because I don't even know what the situation's going to be. So at some point, I do have to look at the words of Jesus and say, I'm going to reject this fear of the future. And I'm exactly as Matt's saying, I'm going to do the thing I can control right now. That's really a lot of fantastic stuff on that. So we're going to move to our last question here. It came in to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, a very interesting question, short and sweet. It says, what do you think forgiveness is? That's a really fascinating question, the idea of, you know, we look at this topic a lot. You know, forgiveness comes a lot in Christianity. We like that idea of kind of breaking down the Christianese phrases. So Jed, why don't you start us off on this one? Well, to begin with, most of the time when people ask this question, it's because something horrible happened to them, and I'm really sorry. Whatever it is, yeah. I'm really sorry. Uh, it's pretty rare people ask this question in a purely academic way. So um, if you ever want to talk about the thing that happened to you, we'd love to listen. And if there's a way we can help, we'd love to help. And if nothing else, we'd love to pray for you. Let's talk for a second about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not the passing of time. People say time heals all wounds. That's a great big lie. Mm-hmm. That's just not true. Um, so let's cancel that. Forgiveness is not pretending it didn't happen. Uh, You've heard people say, oh, it's all water under the bridge. Again, 
That's a lie. That's not how forgiveness right. works. And that's not how life works. Forgiveness is definitely not deciding it was probably mostly on you anyway. So, you know, who, who knows? Um, that's, uh, that's definitely not forgiveness. And that leads us to, because uh, I think it may be applicable to your situation, what are not apologies? Let's Hello. look at that really quickly. Yes, thank you. The following are not apologies. Hey, if I hurt you with what I did, right? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry you, you, you were hurt if I hurt you. Right. I'm sorry you took it that way, Jed. Yeah. When the word if is involved yeah, or the implication that I chose to take it a certain way, right. that's not an apology. You're putting it on me now. Okay. Look, I feel like, you know, we're both a little bit to blame here. Right. Uh, <laughs> that is also right. not an apology. Hey, we all said things we didn't mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's another. Look, I think we had a misunderstanding. Right. And You're really a communication issue. No. no. No, we didn't. You acted like a jerk. Right. If it's, look, I think we had a misunderstanding, uh, that's not an apology. Now, here's, here's why this matters. Uh, these brothers are going to get into it. But from a Christian standpoint, there are two different English is a limited language. Forgiveness means two different things that are completely discrete and completely separate from one another. The first thing, which is the thing God commands you to do, is not, is letting go of the burden of someone else hurting you. Right. That's, that's when Jesus says you must forgive others, what he means is you're no longer holding this in a legal sense against them. You are, you are relinquishing your claim against them. That happens between you and God. No one else is invited. No one else is involved. That happens mm-hmm. solely between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. But the second thing is really important. It's why I'm talking about what isn't an apology. Forgiveness also means the beginning of restoring a damaged relationship. Right. Okay? That's a completely separate thing. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally mm-hmm. separate. That can't happen if they're not apologizing. Right. If they're not sorry, if they're not apologizing, Amen. if they're not taking ownership for the things they've done, there cannot be restoration of right. that relationship. That's right. You can They're not they're not they're not asking for it. They're absolutely not open right. to it even. Absolutely right. Yeah. There can be forgiveness of that person before God between you and God, regardless mm-hmm. of what mm-hmm. they do or don't do, say or don't say, and that is for your sake. That's yeah. actually not for their sake. That's so that you're not carrying around the burden of the things that they right. did to you any longer. But for there to be forgiveness between you and them, for there to be for the, the beginning of the process of restoring a relationship, there must be repentance. That's there, right. There must be a seeking of forgiveness. There must be an apology. And so you need to know what an apology is and isn't. An apology is taking responsibility for yeah. your actions in an unequivocal and unqualified way. Yes. Without that, there is no apology and there can be no forgiveness. Amen. That's a really yeah. great place to start. Lee, I'd love to kick to you on this. So there's... Uh, one of the uh, strong possibilities is exactly what Jed lined out there. This is someone who uh, something happened to them. They're being told they need to forgive and maybe not given a great picture of what that's like. Jed did a great job covering that. The other aspect of this is someone who's done something ah. uh, unpleasant, as have we all, uh, and is being told God forgives them, but maybe still feels guilty, still has some consequence, whatever. So we're moving this to what God is talking about, what it means, when it means forgiveness, that relationship with God and us. What are we talking about there? It's a really cool uh, way to, to look at that. And uh, one thing that's neat is, you know, we, we 
every now and then we'll kind of dive into kind of the nerdy, you know, behind the scenes Greek stuff with uh with with the Bible and one thing that's really cool on this is one of the words that is used for forgiveness in the New Testament, it's a Greek word, um, aphiomi. Um, it's the word that Jesus uses in, uh, well, it's actually the word that Peter uses in Matthew chapter 18 when he says to Jesus, if my brother sins against me, how many times do I have to forgive him? Um, it's the, the Greek word aphiomi. What's neat is that same exact Greek word is used by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 to describe um, a married couple who gets divorced. And that's really interesting point because to, uh, exactly what Matt's saying is if God says, I forgive you, then what he is saying to you is that the, the, the consequences that were all tied up to you doing this thing, you are now divorced from them. That relation, mm. which means that relationship is over now. Um, we don't, we don't have to go to you don't have to go to Thanksgiving with those feelings anymore, um, with those consequences. You don't have to uh, you don't you don't have to figure out you know what whatever uh, where are we going to spend Christmas with those feelings of guilt or shame. That relationship is over. You don't have any responsibility. You don't have any relation. You don't have any relationship. You get to change your name, and that's a really cool thing because if God says I'm forgiven, He's saying this relationship is now over. You have broken up with those, all of those things—the guilt and the shame and all that kind of stuff. Now, if to kind of to kind of go back to what Job was talking about, if I'm a person that's been sinned against and I'm looking at that word in the same way, then one of the things I want to look at is um, I, I want to free myself from the way it feels to want to get you back. You know, that's the thing that I need to be free from. And so I can be set free from that as well. If I forgive you, then I get to break up with some stuff. I get yeah. to break up with the heaviness of trying to figure out how I'm going to burn you the next time that we talk, how I'm going to take you all the way down. And But exactly like Jed's saying, if this person doesn't pursue a relationship, well, we're not going to be buddies after that. But yeah. I can go to the Lord on my own, and I can break up with those feelings, and I can release myself from them and say, I don't have to go to Thanksgiving or Christmas with those feelings. So you don't have to, when you approach God the forgiveness of God means I never have to be related to shame or guilt ever again. I've been divorced. That relationship is over. That marriage is done. I am not related to shame or guilt anymore. And if somebody has sinned against you, then you get to have the same feeling about the burden of the retribution that you want to bring down because that's a heavy thing to bear, man. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that you want to get rid of before the Lord. Amen. That's absolutely, absolutely right. I'd love to get you to uh, kind of close us out on this. Maybe by let's focus on forgiveness. Not only uh, Lee did a great job kind of walking us through the Greek there, but even just a technical definition. I think one of the problems here is that forgiveness gets blended in as a part of other stuff. Yeah. Forgiveness is part of love, and forgiveness is part of niceness, and forgiveness is part of mm -hmm. justice. But mm -hmm. forgiveness in and of itself, outside of being all those things, has a meaning that we have to nail yeah. down before we can see how it plays out in those bigger systems, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you want to boil it down to, you know, it's most essential. Uh, if, if if the simple question is, uh, what do I think forgiveness is? I would say it's, you know, giving up justice that's owed to you. You 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 have 
uh, a right to justice because mm. you've been wronged. You know, uh, you you have a right for things to be made. They're they're not equal, and you have a right to see that be equaled. And that but ties back to what Jeb was saying about why why forgiveness necessitates an admission of wrong. Because mm-hmm. if it's if nobody did anything wrong, exactly. we don't have forgiveness. We have clearing up a misunderstanding. That's exactly. Different. Yeah. You, you, exactly right. All all bets are off here. If you're if you're trying to say it's a little bit everybody's fault, or it's not. You know, we all said mm-hmm. things we didn't mean, or whatever. What you're asking me for is a asking me to do is to submit to a situation where we go around again. Mm-hmm. Where hey, let's just forget this happened and then mm-hmm. you know, go again. And if I say, well, no, I don't want to be treated that way anymore. Oh, well, I guess you're not being forgiven. Uh, yeah. You're not being Christian. Glenn. You're not being Christian about it. Wait a second. Uh, as I've explained many times to my relatives, this is how uh, forgiveness works in Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> in Christianity, you say, I repent. Then you are forgiven. <laughs> you have not repented. So Ergo. You, therefore, you ain't getting no forgiveness. That's Christianity. I don't know what uh, you You've made up all sorts of crazy whatever's in your... You think Christianity means you get to abuse me anytime you want, and I just... It's like a, a trick. It's like a loophole that you sure. discovered that... That the, I got a sign on my back when I got baptized that says "kick me" or something. You know, this is not how the, yeah. this works theologically. And as you point out, um, it, 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 when we're talking about uh, forgiveness, it does get lumped in with these other things because it is a part of these other things. But it is very separate and distinct from love. Now, love mm-hmm. is un- is meant to be unconditional. True love is unconditional. You love that person even if they wrong you. Uh, but forgiveness is a different thing from that. And if you if you look at uh, 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 trust, for example, uh, I th- I think a lot of times you see here's a messed up relationship, and someone is saying, "Okay, I'm sorry," and they apologize and they mean it, and it's sure. uh, you know, and they're they're saying, "Do you forgive me?" And yes, I forgive you. Well, can I come back to the house, or can I pick up where I left off? Can I borrow or, the car, or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, whatever the thing is. I'm Wait. sorry I wrecked your car last time. You're right. forgiven. Can I borrow your car? No. Exactly, yeah. The answer to that is no. Well, well, why don't you forgive me? Well, okay, what you're talking about is trust, yeah. not forgiveness. Trust is earned. If you, if you, if you don't Earn, if someone hasn't earned it, it actually isn't trust, if you see what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, enablement. Well, you're absolutely right, and that goes back to this idea that forgiveness is giving up on the justice you are owed. Right. It is not pretending like this thing never happened. Right. That's, ex- that's We deal with thing. this a lot. We have to explain this to kind of some guys who are working through addiction as we deal with now. There's a difference between somebody forgiving you mm-hmm. for stealing from them, mm-hmm. and in the inner city that often means foregoing the beating they feel their honor mm-hmm. and trusting you with money again. Yeah. Right. Just because they forgave you for stealing from them does not mean they have to operate in a world where they pretend that never happened. Right. They're giving up the anger, they're giving up the retribution, but we still that still happened. We still have to live in that world. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. right. Trust must be earned. That's that's essential. Uh we've said it before on on the podcast but it bears repeating that all relationships need to have boundaries. All relationships need to have conditions. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the again, the love is unconditional. There's no doubt about that. 
And and this forgiveness that we're talking about is a requirement yeah. that, that's that's very seriously stated in Scripture, and we need to take that requirement very seriously uh, and do everything we can to be forgiving, as these brothers have pointed out, because it means a lot for our own mental health mm-hmm. to, to be uh, forgiving people. But the re- all relationships, all healthy relationships, I should say, have conditions on them. If you do X, this relationship is over, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm moving on to another friendship. I'm moving on to another dating relationship. Whatever it is, you bless your heart. Get it right with the next person, and God bless you. But this is this ship has sailed. That's part of healthy relationships. Is recognizing there you, you have violated a trust. Therefore, there is not trust. If you're interested in earning that trust back, we'll see about that. But I don't owe it to you mm-hmm. to uh, let you take another turn at this. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not uh, 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 sort of uh, playing Russian roulette with my own mental health and my own relationships. That's not how these things work. So, I think it's important to recognize that that forgiveness and trust uh, need to be counterposed. Yeah. We need yeah. to understand yeah. that relationship. One more thing I'd like to throw in, because I think Matt brought up something really sharp, saying, you know, what about the person where I've, I'm told, anyway, I've done something wrong, and I'm trying to mm. figure out what to do with that. Something that we've dealt with in counseling situations a number of times, particularly with people who are, are in the culture of suburban Christianity, is the difficulty reconciling the fact I have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. There, We've heard people in, in quiet, uncensored moments say i just i find it difficult i find it hard to believe i could be that big of a jerk yeah yeah here's the thing you are that big of a jerk everyone's capable that's of in the bible big a jerk yeah if you've heard of the the doctrine of the depravity of man or the total depravity of man we can summarize it very easily you're capable of being a world-class jerk right. yep mm-hmm. all of us every single one of us there is <sighs> There's a culture again, kind of in suburban Christianity, that resists that idea of that I could be a jerk. It was you know everybody has a perspective, and if you mm-hmm. just saw it from you know my way and whatnot. And here's if you if you're in a situation where you need to apologize, here's the thing I want to float out to you: you wouldn't believe how good it feels to just own up to what you did. Hallelujah! Yes, to just go say to that. someone and say. I was a jerk, and I don't have an excuse. Yes, There are are reasons. There's always reasons. Nothing happens in a vacuum. But I was a jerk, and I wronged you. It's not important for you to be understood in this moment. Zachariah, I was a jerk, and I wronged you, and I'm sorry. And I hope you'll forgive me. I can't tell you how good and how unburdening it feels to go to a person and just take responsibility. Yep. It's because here's what happens in that moment is a everything in your mind, body, and spirit cry out. Finally, at last, we yes. can have peace about who <laughs> we are. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you exist in suburban Christianity, you've been fed a lie that you're 99 percent of the way to perfect. Yes, and if you yeah. just push a little bit harder, you could get the rest you're of the way there. Just a couple there. of Christian book revelations away from having this whole thing figured out. But probably, this, probably I'm right about most stuff, though, Jed. Probably I'm right. You're yeah. not, because this is the thing. Well, I'll talk about me for a second. I'm a toad. Right. I am just I'm just, I'm just an awful little person who's barely human most days. I hear that. I I love Jesus a lot. I really do, but I am 
so bad at being a Christian. Right. And everything I just said about me is true for you. Yes. If you're listening Definitely. to this podcast, you suck so bad at yes. being a Christian. <laughs> yes. You yeah. are terrible Preach at it. it. You are not close to being perfect. Right. The marketing department's not going to be happy about that statement. <laughs> when it says you are a child of God, it means an infant who craps itself. Thank you. That's where you're at. That's where I'm at. Yes. That's where we're all at. There's the you, are n- you are not a fully grown 401k having, <laughs> vested in your retirement plan, senior management, adult child of God. Right. At best, you're a toddler, and so am I. Right. So be cool with it. Be, yeah, the moment you embrace sure. that, there will be peace. There Sweet will be there will be peace. And this is here's the thing I want you to know. I I, I, I really mean this. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, when you go to another person, you go, I was a jerk to you, and I'm really sorry, and I don't have an excuse. I hope you can forgive me. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, that other person looks at you and goes, Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah. That's right. what do you? What are you going to say? What are you going to say to that? Well, you know, you're right. You, yeah, I know. You're, no, you're absolutely right. Yes, you're absolutely I, right. I did it wrong. Freedom had... apology goes a long way. Yeah. If you're, if you're coming from a culture that's, that's messed with your brain and try to convince you you're most of the way to perfect, the path to peace is just owning up to it. Hallelujah. I know it doesn't feel like that could be true, but all of us have lived that out. I promise you it is. Yeah, you feel like you're under attack. You feel like you have to defend yourself. That's just the wrong instinct. You lay it down. Here's what I did, and I'm sorry, and I hope yep. you can forgive me. That's and it's it. the beginning, not just of a new relationship with that other person, but I bet you find it's the beginning of a whole new kind of relationship between you and the Lord. Yep. It's absolutely the right way to go with that. I will tag one more short thing on here. Uh, Jed is pointing to, it's very true, one of the things that can hold someone back from either this is from God or from, especially the relationships, get going for that forgiveness, getting it is a misunderstanding of it, because forgiveness is about individual incidents. Now, there's a larger kind of, uh, you know, because of Jesus' blood on the cross, you are forgiven for all the individual incidents. Yep. And then there's the taking care of the original sin thing, which is kind of a different thing. But there's this idea where people say, okay, I messed up, I was wrong with this person. And I think a lot of that defensiveness comes from, but I'm not a bad person, I'm not a bad guy. <laughs> right, that's right. Uh-huh. I just did this one thing, so that's can right. we acknowledge that I did a thing, and you forgive me, but I want to make like my defense it, I, case. Yeah, it's not like it was intentional. Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> qualify it eight ways from Sunday to make yeah, sure right. that we're operating from the assumption that I'm a pretty good person who made, did one wrong thing. Right, right, right. A couple things about that. One, the, at least from a theological standpoint, super not true. Right? Yep. That's right. Also... Kind of misses the point. Forgiveness is about individual incidents. So I'll I'll take us back to the Greek one more time before we got here. So you've heard the Lord prayer, Lord's prayer. Jesus is in Matthew six. Jesus says, "Forgive our trespasses or transgressions." He uses different words in the translations, as we forgive those who trespass against us. The word he uses there is a word that's used in uh, Matthew chapter four about where it says that uh, John and James leave their nets behind. Mm-hmm. That forgive is what for leave behind. It's a, I think that's a very helpful picture of forgiveness. This is when in relationships or the way God has dealt with you. Again, I think part of what we're dealing with here could be someone I know we all deal with this. I, I know I'm forgiven for sin stuff by God. I don't feel very forgiven. Is that because you're not leaving it behind? Mm. So Jesus says we're going to drop it. We're going to move on. Exactly like Jess talked about there. If you don't feel forgiven, ask yourself, Am I picking, trying to pick yep. this thing up and carry it with yep. me, even mm. though God said, leave it here? 
One more angle to look at it. One more thing to think about. All right. Thank you for listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com. We're talking about forgiveness. So we actually had our friend, Chicago DJ, the pool house guru, do a scripture memorization track for Ephesians 4.32, which is very forgiveness focused. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So this is a cool track with a great beat that'll help you kind of brother in your mind where you take off that thanks for listening just remember we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it coming soon the 50 shades of say that podcast it's brand spanking new <laughs> <laughs> you proud of yourself yeah, yeah. you should be <laughs>